Welcome back to the next episode of Ladies First, your podcast featuring truly amazing and inspiring women. It's Alina here, and today I'm with Shimona Goyle, based out of Mumbai, India. She's an experimental filmmaker who's had her films exhibited in multiple international film festivals, winning a national award from the government of India. Can you start by explaining to us a little bit about experimental filmmaking and what you do? Yes, thank you, Alina. Um, so experimental films are basically films that um, explore non-narrative forms. Um, these kind of films are most similar to poetry or to um, painting or um, there's no story or there's not necessarily any plot. And they are also films that maybe use different kinds of methods than we usually see in traditional kinds of filmmaking. Um, a, a lot of times experimental filmmakers make the entire film themselves or with a very, very small crew. Um, these are films that are made with very low budgets. Usually they're films that are self-financed or get small grants. Um, they aren't films that generate any money, so they may not always be entertaining. Um, but I think that the purpose really is to make, is to share an artist's personal vision of the world um, and connect with the viewer in a way which will, you know, in, involve the viewer in the film in a way that's different than entertainment films. So the film industry seems very difficult to break into, particularly as a woman. How did you do that? Experimental film is very, very different than the film industry. Um, it's almost like sitting in your own little world and having a small camera that um, you can operate yourself and you don't depend on any industrial modes of, of production. So you can do a lot of this yourself or with your friends or with just like a small group of people. Um, I deliberately chose not to work in the mainstream film culture um, because I, I really believe I, ever since I was young, I was always fond of writing and creative writing and poetry. And when I studied experimental film, um, I was just exploring it as another art form and not necessarily as an industry. Um, so the experimental film world is much easier to work in than the mainstream Hollywood or Bollywood film industry is for women. That being said, um, you still do have to rely on all of the labs. I mean, at least the kind of films that I was making were, um, were on film. So we had to process our film. We had to get the films printed. We had you know, to purchase stock and we had to edit it and get it transferred. And there was a whole process that did rely on the industry as well. And um, that being said, it was still quite difficult in India to make experimental films as a woman. And so um, I found collaborating with a friend to be extremely important to developing a film language of my own. And so for many years, I worked with a very close friend of mine named Shai Haredia. Um, and so we made films together and that collaboration worked really well. Um, I think we were able to bring skills that the other person didn't necessarily have or want to have and we would kind of finish each other's sentences and we worked really beautifully together um, 
And I think that our working together was also very important because um, I would say that even the experimental film world in India, at least, I don't know so much about the US, but in India, it is still very patriarchal and there is a lot of misogyny, at least when we were making films together. Um, it was very important to have um, a sort of comrade to uh, a woman comrade to work with. Um, we were oftentimes left out of discussions and spaces that were completely male dominated. Um, and I remember reaching out to a fellow experimental filmmaker at one point saying that, you know, the list of all of these, the top 10 most interesting experimental filmmakers in India doesn't even have one woman on it. How can you do that in this day and age? And um, yeah, so even though it's a lot less, um, it's, a lo it's very different than the commercial film industry. It's, I think that patriarchy and misogyny are kind of everywhere. <laughs> so why, why do you think it is that it's primarily male dominated? Well, I think that um, there are many reasons. I think that um, most of the professions um, except for maybe social work, tend to be um, male-dominated. And that's just kind of the nature of how gender equity and inequity pans out. Um, in the film world and in the experimental film world, I think that because it's a very technology-based um, medium, um, that is one of the reasons why it has tended to be very male-dominated. It's only now that I see a growing number of women cinematographers, which is wonderful to see. Um, I also think that, um, you know, men have just not moved over and until they're willing to actually give the space up a little bit, um, for women, it's still about, um, kind of struggling for our rightful space. So, but I think that there are also many, I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. I, I just, I just want to understand. So once the two of you are done making the film, you it's it's your film the two of you film it how do you get it to like get such a large audience to watch the film well i mean i guess i'm a i mean both shy and i i guess are somewhat um different people um in some ways we um were never making films because we wanted any kind of public acknowledgement i think we made films because we wanted to connect with each other and connect with individuals and, and people, that connection is really what sustains me at least. And um, we never looked for audiences. Luckily we were, um, our films were noticed by a few people and then they would take it somewhere else and they would take it somewhere else. And I think both Shai and I, um, and I definitely have never made a, a livelihood off of making films because for me, filmmaking was not at all about wanting to follow someone else's rules. Um, and I found it was a medium um, that was strangely fulfilling because the way that writing poetry or the way that making a painting is personally fulfilling, it was a form that I studied in college and learned the language of light and sound and how they play together. And it was really exciting. And it, I built amazing friendships and relationships through that process. Um, and then, we were very fortunate. I think that that's, that's the way that things work though for everyone is that if you put in a lot of hard work, um, you know, sometimes if your luck is in the right place, it'll get noticed. But if it doesn't get noticed, it doesn't matter because that hard work is not something anyone can take away from you. 
How did you come up with the inspiration for what your films were about? Like, did you base them off something? Were they, were they something that the two of you wrote? I think that um, our films were always films that germinated for long periods of time. And they were oftentimes rooted in something that was actually about life around us. Um, for me, I feel like um, I've always been using the camera either to take photographs or to shoot footage of just everyday life around me, whether it was my parents and my family or my extended family or my friends or the community I was living in. Um, and slowly, somehow or the other, um, an, a narrative or a story would emerge over time. And I think I've always followed, um, you know, let the footage reveal itself to me over time and um, explore it through different lenses. I mean, sometimes I would spend five years working on like a 10 or 15 minute short film. And it's over time that I think that the story reveals itself. And it's also about piecing different things together. So you might start off shooting a friend and then you end up realizing, okay, this is gonna become about real estate in the city. And it's, it just is something that flows. It's very different from commercial films that way, which may start off with a target plot, audience, that kind of thing. It's more of a diaristic way of, of making films. Moving into kind of current events, I just want to ask you, you know, you reside in India and you have family in the U.S. Um, I'm wondering your opinion on how you feel both countries have handled the coronavirus and what you think each country could, you know, learn from each other. Well, I mean, to be honest, um, I, I don't think that either country has handled the coronavirus very well. Um, I think that... Um, you know, different states are sort of trying to manage things in India as best as they can and different states in the U.S. also in the center is kind of floundering. Um, I think the economy is left in shambles and the poor are suffering um, desperately. Um, I think that the pandemic um, gives us an opportunity to really think about the kind of uh, lifestyles and um, world that we were living in. Um, and it's an opportunity to think about whether we could change that direction. But it is unfortunate to see that um, due to the kind of economic crisis, both of our countries and the whole world is kind of in, um, the government seem to be pushing for um, more intense ways of um, generating resources that are exploiting the earth, exploiting poor people. Um, and so I think uh, yeah, and from a personal point of view, it's been very difficult to have some of my family in India and some of my family in the U.S. and feeling, uh, you know, sort of fragmented in not being able to really be there for anyone during this time. Yeah, this is definitely something nobody predicted. Um, yeah, except for maybe some sci-fi filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely, definitely something that, you know, just kind of came out of nowhere and we all kind of want answers. So you, I, you said, you know, you don't feel like either of them have really handled this situation well. How do you feel like we, like, what do you think we need to be doing to move ourselves into the right direction to get back to where we were before? Or maybe, maybe back to where we were before wasn't even where we should be, but just in a general, like, better direction than where we're going right now? 
And I think um, I'm no expert. I think it would be amazing if we created a space for um, people who are at the margins, not necessarily in power, to kind of bring their voices forward and hear what their experiences are and their recommendations are. And, um, you know, I think if we tried to uh, also um, live in a way which is with less consumption, um, more local economies, um, if we could have a state that actually represented the needs and aspirations and sorrows of their people, um, that would probably be idealistic. But um, I, I certainly don't think that trying to intensify economic uh, growth by polluting the earth and exploiting people um, is the right way to go. Hopefully, we could rebuild some of our public health or build our public health infrastructure in India and America. Both countries really need that desperately. Um, it would be amazing if we paid attention to that. Okay, well, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, that will be all for today. This is Alina Puri, and tune in next time for another special guest.